Welcome back to the Transformation Code podcast. This is, of course, episode four in a series of five that we are doing to promote our five-week challenge, the Transformation Code five-week challenge. And now that we're into week four, it's um, it's really important for us to, to say that this is a way of life for us, you know, and, and hopefully it is a way of life for you also. It's staying fit and healthy and always doing something every single day to move forwards And one of the major parts of what we do as personal trainers and as coaches is advising on the ways that you can exercise. Exercise is, you know, without a doubt, a major part of this whole healthy well-being process. And it's integral for you to achieve physical transformation, as you well know. And there are things that you're doing right now in your workout plan that might be new. There are things that you do all the time that are consistent. And the key is really getting that balance right. And we're going to be talking about some of the fundamental exercises that should feature pretty much in every single workout plan, whether it be um, a week to week or month to month, you'll probably be doing these exercises at some point. And we're going to be discussing them from a professional and personal point of view, discussing and sharing our best top tips for these exercises to ensure that you're getting the best out of them. And maybe shedding some light on a couple of uh, theories that you might have heard of that you're not quite sure about whether you should do or not so that you can get the best out of your training. So my name is Tommy Gentleman. I am a co-host of the Transformation Co. podcast based in England. And I'm a personal trainer and I own a gym here in my hometown in England. And um, a long time ago, a few years ago, I used to work in New Zealand with the fellow co-host of this podcast, which is Kat Miller. Kat, how are you today? Hello, I'm brilliant. It's Friday night here in Aussie. Cool. Um, where I now live, in case you're new to the podcast. Uh, yeah, Tommy and I met in New Zealand, and we're both trainers and coaches, and we are very passionate about body transformation. If you've jumped into this this episode and you haven't listened to our other episodes, uh, hi and welcome. Thanks yeah. for joining us, and you will get something out of this podcast, even if you haven't started on the, the five-week challenge, because we're offering lots of hints and tips and tools for anyone at any stage so come and join the journey. We're talking tonight about, or today where Tommy is, yeah. <laughs> about how to tweak your fundamental exercises. So basically how to pimp your your five staple fundamental exercises. And uh, if you haven't heard our other episode on how to pimp your training, that's another good one to go back to if this is an area of interest for you and how to really enhance what you're doing and, and take it to the next level. For sure. Yeah, great. So the first exercise that we're going to be looking at in detail today is the squat, isn't it? Yeah, the the good old squat. Now, you guys probably already have the squat featuring in your program. Most people will have some kind of squat movement featuring, and the squat comes into what we call a a movement pattern. So human fundamental movement, the squat is a a movement pattern. So there's many ways to squat. And when we talk about movement patterns, you could be squatting as in a back squat, bar on your back, front squat, um, goblet squat, where you hold a, a dumbbell in front of you, for example. Uh, could be a Swiss ball squat. There's many variations. Um, but also, a, I guess, a regression of the squat is the leg press machine. So the squat movement is basically hip and knee flexion uh, at the fundamental level. So if you've got squat featured in your program at the moment, we're, we're going to add a few of our own little tips and tweaks on what we suggest and what you can incorporate into your own um, patterns. And if you're not doing the squat, um, 
the next one we're going to be talking about is the lunge. So that's that's another way to work your legs. So if that's something that you're wanting to improve on, and um, your quads, your glutes, or your hammies, then if you're not squatting or lunging at the moment, we recommend that you bring in one of these two leg movement patterns at least. Yeah. So, um, Tommy, do you have any particular hacks when it comes to the squat <laughs> that yeah. you like to use? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing that I'd like to share with everybody today is to know the value of the exercise that you're doing. Um, so we can squat. If we if we're if we're playing sport for example, squat then becomes a performance enhancing movement. Um, if we're just training for health, then a squat is a functional movement that's going to keep us from injury and keep us um, in good posture. Um, if we're training for aesthetics, then a squat is going to be working the quads and glutes. So, even though it's the same move, you're approaching it differently in your mind. So it has a purpose, um, and it should feature in in all programs. You know, you should always be doing. Uh, a squat. Now, I don't know about you, Kat, but I've I've been in different um, different camps, if you like, when it comes to this squat and how I approach it. Um, but I always make sure that I know the reason for doing what I'm doing. Um, if I'm training for sport, then I'll make sure that you know I'm I'm aware that there's a massive core and lower back uh, benefit going on in in this particular movement at that time, and rather than just focusing on the quads. So I think mentally approaching it at the beginning and knowing what you want out of it is important. That's where I'd start the advice uh, for the squat today. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because we always have to come back to the why and the benefit and the purpose. And uh, the squat is such a oh, such a great exercise because it, it covers, like you say, across the board. It can really get, give you a great, um, a great look in terms of hardening up your legs, giving you nice tone through your quads and also like lifting your butt or adding – adding size to your butt depending on the rep ranges that you use. So if you're going to use something like hypertrophy rep ranges, which is typically between like 6 and 12 reps, more likely you're going to go around 8 to 10 if you're actually wanting to put on muscle. Um, and if you're wanting more of a endurance in your legs, then you're going to go for higher higher reps and lower weight. So it's just a, a great fundamental movement that should be featured in pretty much every program. Yeah. And so a couple of things that, that um, I suggest with my clients when it comes to the squat is to mix up how you squat. So uh, I tend to see in the gym, and you probably do too, Tommy, a lot of back squat feature, featured yeah. and people loading it through their spine. And I don't see a lot of people front squatting in, in gyms. And the front squat... Personally, I find it really uncomfortable. It's not my favourite, but it's an important thing to to progress to if you've only ever done back squatting and you're doing yeah. a lot of volume. There's yeah. a lot of a lot of load going through your spine, so to mix it up with different styles of squatting and to think about where you are on the continuum. Um, I talk a lot about regression and progression with my clients. Sometimes, if your glutes aren't firing properly, you may need to regress the squat mm-hmm. and. Um, incorporate a bit of glute isolation work to actually get your glutes uh, firing up in the squat. Uh, but then once your glutes are really working, and, and a good easy test for this is just are your glutes sore the next day? Because yep. if they're sore, then they've been working for sure. Uh, if you're getting mostly quad pain the next day, or um, you know quads and hammies but not, not much glutes, then your glutes aren't firing properly. And so 
you may need to regress the movement and go a bit lighter and, and get your glutes fired up. We may, might need to, sorry, I'm stumbling my words today. Um, you might need to isolate a little bit and get, get some isolated glute work going to, yep. to teach your glutes to turn on in the squat. Um, and then you can start progressing up. And to always be thinking about where you are in the continuum, you know, like mm. moving up towards an overhead squat, for example, or a pistol squat, which mm. is something that I've been avoiding most of my life. <laughs> do you do the pistol? No, but um, overhead squats and front squats, I actually really like front squats. I prefer them as a training challenge um than a back squat um i like the I, I like the challenge i like seeing the weight in front of me and, and i guess it kind of feels like i'm getting more sports specific benefit out of the front squat um i can get deeper in a front squat as well i think that that's important to talk about is the depth of the squat i think um there are a lot of theories out there i, I th- i'd suggest that you go a minimum of parallel if you can go below parallel then that's great as long as you're keeping control of your spine and keeping your abs braced and you're not um, doing too much of a wink which is when your hips kind of do that little shift at the bottom um, a front squat for me I think is more beneficial for a client than a back squat but the diff- the problem here is um, when we have people coming into the gym um, that have been training a certain way for a certain amount of years their body isn't ready for a front squat they aren't able to get the shoulder flexibility or the, or the um, depth that they need in order to do it safely and so for the mass market, we tend to do back squats first and then progress on the front squats. But the, the sad thing is, and I am quite sad about this actually, is that a lot of people never get to do a front squat um, because they're never shown how or they never really see the benefits. So if you're someone who's been doing back squats for a long time, like Kat said a minute ago, how about change it, move on the continuum and go, go try some front squats for a while. Yeah, and if you're not sure exactly how to do it, uh, get some help, get a PT or... Um or, uh, you know, qualified person at your gym to help you out and check your form and show you the, the ways to do it. Do you do, um, do you cross your arms? No, I, I, would, I never, I never do that. I used to do that. I used to cross my arms and place the bar across my shoulders. And those of you that are following me right now will, will be nodding. Um, this, this is a really good way to start in theory because it allows the, the, pra- the person who's practicing the front squat to um, cope with the, the stress of having the bar on the front because you can generally lift your elbows higher and that's important in a front squat. Um, but the problem with crossing your arms, in my opinion, is it separates the shoulder blades too much, um, which isn't a natural position to be in. And also for developing um, into moves like the power clean, which has amazing benefits for um, physical development and, and sport and speed and everything power, it's almost impossible to then link the two because when you do a power clean, you're not going to be crossing your arms to catch the bar. So it's almost like you're training with purpose to then develop into a more complex exercise um, rather than having to retrain that again at some point. So I would say really, really try hard to go in with fingertip control and elbows high for the front squat, especially if you're new to it. Like, Like spend time working that, even if it's like, a quarter or an eighth of your one rep max for a back squat. Really doesn't matter, just practice that technique first. But if all else fails, and and Kat, this is probably where our opinions might cross here, I'm I'm predicting. If you're doing bodybuilding or you're looking to physically shift um, a a, a development pattern through the quads and the glutes and you're looking for overload, then I don't see a problem in doing elbows, um, sorry, hands crossed in front. But if it's with a view to progress in the front squat itself, then I would say spend some time to get the fingertip hold and the elbows high. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, and that way you're creating a mental pathway, like a mind-to-muscle yes. pathway that's going to progress you up to the power clean and um, move you forward. So, yeah, I agree. And I always um, like to to help people to try different things as well because mentally it's it's good stimulus. Physically it's good for the body just to have a break from the load through the spine constantly. And um, there's loads of other ways you can do squats. You can do single leg squats and get get unilateral because that's going to help bring up um, any imbalances that you might have. Yep. You know, if one of your legs is stronger than the other, you can compensate. Um, doing, I really like the goblet squat, which is where you've got the dumbbell kind of upside down. Yep. Um, so your hands, palms are up. Um, and that's a good lead up to the front squat as well because you're getting used to the load being in front of your body, which is, is quite a different quite a different feeling for your body and, and having to keep your back really straight and, and that kind of thing. And the other one I really like doing is um, is the box squat where you actually sit down on the box. Yes. So barbell on, on the back, or, or you can do it with the front squat as well. You sit right down and you power right up through your heels. It's a great way to... Um, practice getting your back straight as well so if you haven't done some of these things for a while or you've never done it try them look them up and again we just want to um make sure that you're you're safe so if you've got if you know any medical conditions or if you've had any injuries then definitely check with your gp before you try any of these crazy things that we that we speak of yes absolutely yes and uh, i think it's nice to have this have these kinds of discussions because i'm i'm quite confident that our listeners would would be um you know, understanding that um, perhaps they've been training, so they've been doing squats for a while, uh, maybe even for years, um, or would be aware of you know the biomechanics in a squat. So I mean, we could talk about a squat for you know a whole episode, but there are some other exercises that we want to get into today. Um, so shall we move on to exercise number two? Yeah, exercise number two is a lunge. Yeah, lunge is one of those funny ones that people either love or hate. I find. Um, I used to hate them and I hate hating anything. So whenever I don't like an exercise, I do it heaps until I get good at it and then I usually like it. So I remember years ago when I started training, I was oh, lunges just would cringe and now I love lunges. So I think as you get better at things, you, you enjoy them more. Yeah. And so if you're not, not a fan of lunges, just keep lunging until you get used to it. And often it's a balance issue or a core stability issue if you're – if you're really solid on your squat, but lunges are your weaker kind of exercise, um, it's just a matter of practicing and, and doing it over and over. It's that repetition where you, you build that mind-to-muscle pathway so that it becomes very natural. And I, I don't know if you found this, Tommy, but with my clients I've found that if they have a break from lunges and they go back to it, it can be a bit challenging again because of the balance. It's like something yep. you've got to keep working on especially things like forward lunges with a heavy bar on your back mm-hmm. because it, because you like push it back and then it can be a bit of a wobble and that kind of thing. Or uh, one of my favourites is the leg behind on the bench. Yeah. So the split squat. Um, Which what, is what technically, it? te- I mean, it is, it is a, a lunge pattern, but it, but it's called a split squat. So just to clarify that guys, it's, um, it's a lunge with your back foot raised up on the bench behind you or a step behind you, but essentially it's still a lunge movement rather than having a feet, your feet parallel, which would be a squat. Um, it is a lunge, although it's called a split squat. Mm, they name it, they've got a funny name, um, but 
but rear foot elevated. Um, yes. But what I think is the technical name, but yeah, I call it lunge with the leg behind on the bench. <laughs> um, and it's a lot of load going through that front quad, and it's it's awesome. It's tough, and you can do it with dumbbells, you can do it with kettlebells, bar in your back. I get my um, clients to hold a plate, either hug a plate or hold it above their head as well. Mm, nice. It's the, above the head is awesome for the mm. core. Like, there's so much control needed. It's brilliant. Um, but the lunge pattern is pretty endless what you can do and you know, we're told to always keep things very, very straight and in a line like a lot of things in, in resistance training, you know, keeping your your elbows no lower than 90 and all these things that we're told. But there's also, when it comes to function, you know, the, the shoulder joint and the hip joint, they're ball and socket joints, so they're not designed necessarily to be like hinge joints, you know, yeah. straight all the time. We, we can take things on an angle. As long as you've got a healthy knee, a healthy hip, um, you can have wider legs. You can step across and and do a diagonal lunge. You know, you don't have to always be straight ahead. In fact, that plane of movement is, is often overused. And then in everyday life, we'll go into a different kind of movement where it requires us to step out to the side or... Um, or twist or rotate and that kind of thing, move into what we call the transverse plane, it, people aren't prepared for it, and that's often when, when you get injured. Yeah, yeah. So it would be great to see more lateral lunging in the gym, I reckon. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's important from, again, a, a sporting point of view, if you think about uh, a team sport where you're maybe running a lot and changing direction, the angles that you're going through, through the knee and through the hip and through the ankle, are always going to be different. There's so many variables of, of degrees of angles and combinations that you can have. And the joints and the muscles will react to those angles. Um, and if you're training always in a perfect straight you know, line and being very particular about your technique, which is, which is generally a good thing to do, but when it comes to a lunge, you can actually increase your joint stability and joint function by just having a little bit of unpredictability in the movement. And I'm not saying that you should be shunting your knees out or that you should be doing, you know, lunges with your front heel raise or anything silly like that. Um, <laughs> but keeping the variation with the movement patterns, stepping out diagonally, stepping to the side, lateral lunges, like Kat said, where you bend your outside leg and keep your inside leg straight, pushing back through the heel, step back lunges, using different equipment as well, different heights, varied heights, use a step. You can get one of them, um, you know, like uh, studio steps, put that out in front and all of a sudden you've changed things dramatically through the through the joint. Gravity will play a part through that joint dependent on the load that's there, so i.e. your body weight if it's sport or an, an additional equipment. Gravity will, will strain your joint and muscle differently depending on that slight degree change of angle in the joint. So mix it up but keep it safe in order to be able to perform better at what you do whether it's sport or just generally avoiding any joint injuries. Um, and that's something very, very smart and wise to do. Uh, if you're going through it for an aesthetic point of view, then there is a little bit of a slight change on that approach, isn't there, Kat? I mean, you're going to have to be very specific on how you overload the quad and overload the, the glutes using, using lunges, right? Yeah, I love uh, doing walking lunges where some of them I step across. So you you step across your other leg, drop down, and you're turning. Let's say your right foot's going forward. You step across your left foot, but you turn your right foot slightly 
towards the right. So it's so your knee's in a nice safe angle, but you drop straight down and you feel it in um, your glute med, which is uh, a muscle that often gets neglected. Sure. So it's um you know when you push your leg back on a 45 degree angle, you feel like a ball mm-hmm. and that's your glute med. So if that gets weak, often you have um, pain in your knee because your knee's um, your patella's not tracking properly because your glute med's kind of caving in and not doing its job. And knee pain can be a number of things, but one thing it, it is is uh, either a tight quad, one of your quads, one of the four is tight, um, one of the heads, or it, it's often a weak glute med. So glute med is one of my favorite lunges, patterns, glute med lunges, where you have that crossover angle. Um, if you look it up, you'll find it, glute med lunges, and you can do them walking, you can do them static, great way to strengthen the glute med. Um an easy way to tell if your glute med's weak is when you're doing a static lunge and you're dropping down, your hip usually pops out mm-hmm. and that often shows that your glutes are quite weak and they're not doing their job and stabilising properly. So glute med lunges or crossover, curtsy lunges, I think some people call them. Yep. And then the other way is stepping quite wide, so stepping on like a 45-degree angle and dropping straight down and that will hit your inner thighs, which a lot of – People want to target, particularly females, want to target their inner thigh area. So that's a great way to mix up your lunges as well. Yeah, it's cool. And, and you can never really do it. You can never get it wrong unless your front heel is not on, on you know in contact with the floor or the bench or whatever, um, and that your knees are following your second and third toe. Like Other than that, you, you, know, you can experiment a little bit. But those are the two things I would just make sure that you guys are doing. Um, to keep things safe, okay, with, with whatever lunge you're doing, especially if you are using weight, because then it does become more unpredictable. Yeah, that's right. And going for the ninety, 90 degree type right. angle rather than the real shearing angle that a lot of people use. Um, and it's really like in the word lunge, you imagine it's like a big lunge forward where your knees leading, but it is more like a, just a drop down. It's yes. a straight drop down. Uh, so bearing that in mind as well. Um, so the lunge is fantastic. I think every every program should feature a lunge as well. If you're wanting leg strength, leg development, you know, hot looking legs, get the lunges in there. Definitely. So exercise number three that we're going to be talking about today is the deadlift. The all famous deadlift. deadlift. <laughs> so the deadlift, I believe, is the king. Um, they actually did there's some research on the deadlift, putting electromagnets on people and seeing how many muscles light up. Right. They, I think at some stage people thought it was the squat, but the deadlift came up as the one that, that activates the most muscles at the same time. It activates traps, forearms, you know, arms. So many body um, parts of your body are being used in the deadlift. So it really is a king. It's, um, it's exhausting. It's fatiguing. It burns a load of calories. It's, it's something that if you're not doing, you want to progress yourself up. But if you haven't been taught properly, it's definitely an advanced exercise and you need to just jump into because it requires a lot of core strength and decent flexibility um, in lots of your joints. So it's, it might be something that you need to progress up to. Yeah. So how would you know that you were out of – well, how would you know that you'd need to progress um, in terms of flexibility or technique? What are the danger signs? Yeah, so you'd need to get someone to have a look at you because when you're doing a deadlift, even if you're in the looking in the mirror, you can't tell because even if you're doing it side on looking at yourself, 
you really need someone to look at you from every angle. So if you're not sure, then you need someone to check out your your technique. Now, number one, um, you need to make sure your back's straight or you, you're keeping neutral spine. One thing I do with people is stand behind them and I pinch the skin in their lower back. Yeah. And as they come down, so you're leading like a waiter's bow, leading with your chest, and you pretty much have to stop if that skin starts to slip. So you can do it. You can actually do it on yourself. You can just stand there, um, soft through your knees, bending forward, pushing your chest down, and as your back starts to arch, you shouldn't come any deeper. Like it needs, you need to stop at that neutral spine. So there's a little bit of a quick test you can do. Mm-hmm. What else would you suggest, Tommy? I would um, look at if you're struggling to get you know, get the deadlift, the technique of it. Um, you can play around with your hand and feet positions in order to open your hips up more, maybe to get a bit deeper underneath it. And you can also bring the weights, the, the bar itself higher so that you don't have to be bending down as far. I find that most people with, with a technique of a deadlift struggle in that first two to three inches of the lift. Um, so if that's the case, maybe put a couple of weight plates underneath the weight plates that you're using to bring the bar up a little bit higher and focus on keeping that nice straight back in order to lift from that new height. Um, you can use a power rack as well. You can put spotter bars in to make it a little um, higher so that you lift it from a higher point. But always have that end result in mind, which is that you're going to be able to do a full deadlift soon. It's a, it's a training tool that's helping you develop that range rather than thinking, I'm never going to be able to do a deadlift on the floor, so I'm just going to do it partially. Because you will miss out on the strength at that angle in the joint that you need it in order to pick that up and pick that bar up strong. And you'll end up having to play catch up. That's right. So you may need to regress in terms of, so the deadlift is a bend pattern. So one of the, we've talked about uh, the squat and the lunge movement pattern, the bend, you, you can do other bend patterns that are a regression of this, the deadlift. So if I get a brand new client, beginner client, and um, my goal is to get them to deadlift. Some people are quick, some people take months, mm. but we start with a bend pattern. So you're regressing the deadlift. So I would get them starting if they're you know, really weak through their lower back or through their core or both, get them on just a back extension. So just lying on the ground, back extension, back extension, you know, lots of getting lots more movement through the spine. We start doing planks, holding planks to get the core strong. We do um, all sorts of work to get the shoulders in, in a good position. So start getting flexibility, mobility, and you're working on that all the time and eventually we can start with just um, a stick and you're starting to yeah. learn the deadlift pattern. So whatever stage you're at, you know, there's a, there's a way for you to progress up to the deadlift. If you're already deadlifting, uh, like Tommy said, you can do what we call a, um, a rack pull where you're just pulling it off the rack if you haven't got that lower, lower range down pat, like if your back's bending. But you can work away at your flexibility. You can work away at your lower back strength. Uh, you can get on... The Roman chair, do you guys call it that there? The, yes. Like the 45 degree angle? Yes. Yeah, Roman chair or back extension machine. So most gyms have one. Uh, if if you if you haven't used it before, just ask. And then you can start loading that up. So you're really putting good load through your lower back and getting it stronger and stronger to be able to handle the deadlift. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And again, and if you, oh, you um, Sorry. It, as you say, it is, it is an essential movement. 
it's it's amazing like it's it's the best it's the best for getting your hammies getting your glutes uh getting all up, up your back because we do so much flexion in our lives we flex our spine so much the deadlift is is spinal flexion right up your erector spinae. The, the spine loves it. If you do it correctly, it's one of the best things you can do. And if you're already doing deadlifts, you're already sold on them, then a couple of tweaks. Uh, one thing I love doing is as I got better and better, my flexibility would get better. I found that the plates would hit the ground, especially if I had 20 kilo plates on. So I started loading up five, you know, a smaller amount of five plates so you can get deeper. Yep. And then the other thing is you can stand on a box or yes. you can stand on two boxes or studio steps with risers underneath and hold a really heavy kettlebell between your legs and you can go right mm. in between the box mm. and you can go past ground level, if you know what I mean, and yep. then get that really big stretch. But that's only if you can keep your back straight. If your flexibility allows it, that's a great way to progress and you can do different stances so you might do wider legs with your toes pointing out it's going to hit different angles the hamstring has hamstrings have three heads so they've got three different parts to it the quads have four obviously so each part can be hit slightly differently with just different leg angles and that same goes with the squat you know turning your toes out and doing a sumo squat if you haven't done that for a while it's going to give you different shape and different parts of your leg yeah, I think one thing that we we do need to talk about about the deadlift before we move on to the next um, exercise is the grip. Because a lot of people struggle to progress with the deadlift once they struggle to hold onto the bar. So it becomes too heavy, they end up, the bar slips, and you get this kind of inconvenient place where you're hanging on by your fingers. Now there is a benefit in not using any any um, alternative grips or, or tools or um, assisted gripping things if you like for want of a better word um, and that is that you develop your forearm strength and your grip strength so if that's important to you if it's important to have that synchronicity between your human grip and your human strength which is unassisted then you must keep just keep holding onto the bar and just keep grinding it out however if it's getting to the point where it's stopping you from progressing then first of all i would suggest that you go to a mixed grip which would be one hand actually palm facing up one hand in the conventional palm facing down you'll find automatically that you have a stronger grip on the bar and that it's a lot easier. Now, from my experience, you should be able to add about a quarter of weight onto that bar, in theory, before you end up losing grip again. And at that point, I would suggest you go to back, back to normal grip, but use wrist straps. So use deadlifting straps and go back to that normal um, fundamental movement pattern, but using the assisted straps or hooks. Bear in mind when you are using those, though, that you're you're assisting your human strength, your grip strength, in order to progress with your overall leg and back strength. So you're compromising the grip slightly, but sometimes that's necessary to move forwards. What's your opinion, Kat? Yes, I agree. And I love using wrist straps because I don't see the benefit for me personally of being able to, to get my forearms big and strong because I'm not going to haul my body weight in everyday life, if you know sure. what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I generally avoid anything that's not functional, but when it comes to deadlift, I love it so much, and I added at least another 20 kilos when I started using wrist straps. It makes me enjoy them more, and, yeah, I just don't like deadlifting without them. I forgot my straps the other day, and I did the, the mixed grip, and it was fine, but 
it's just the weak point in the wrists, and this is often the case with a lot of females. Uh, the males I work with, they are often wanting to develop their forearms, and so I just get them hauling a lot of weight off the ground. So yeah. deadlifts, rows, um, even chin-ups, just things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Generally, mostly I train with train um, with guys as training partners, and and they they don't use wrist straps. But it doesn't mean you can't if you're a guy. But most guys quite want to build up their forearms, and most females kind of don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, in my experience, um, and the other thing is if if you're holding the bar too wide, you can get quite sore in in your wrists. So I recommend that you hang the bar straight down from your shoulders. So your arms are, but it it is a dead lift. It's just a dead pull off the ground. So your arms are just hanging dead. If you have them too wide, you can fatigue in the shoulders before you'd actually fatigue in the hemis or hemis and glutes. Good. So lots of points there for you to to take into consideration for your deadlift. We're going to move on to the next exercise. We've got two more to talk about, and they are the opposite um, movement patterns, if you like. So rather than a specific uh, exercise, we're going to be talking about pushing movements now. Um, Pushing movements being anything that shifts weight or resistance away from your body. This could be forwards in a chest-type movement. So for a basic example would be a push-up or a press-up, depending on what you want to call it. Um, a, a dumbbell press, a bench press, or indeed something above the head, be it a shoulder press or a military press, something like that. The point here is that you need to be doing some kind of pressing exercise or exercises in your workout, and we're going to be discussing a couple of points on this now. Yeah, so the pressing movement incorporates uh, the chest and triceps predominantly, and also the shoulder. Because the shoulder joint is a ball and socket, it both pushes and pulls. So the chest the chest muscles predominantly push, the triceps push, and so that's why you see them featured a lot in programs. People mix the chest and triceps together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if if you do, if you've always kind of done that, if you do split programs, then there's nothing wrong with doing chest and biceps together or chest and shoulders together or chest and legs together. So it's always about progressive overload and finding things that you haven't done, you know, much before. But incorporating the pressing movement, I always um, – recommend that you you mix up between kind of vertical and horizontal when it comes to your your press so something over the head and something pushing straight out Mm -hmm. and not always just lying down so think about how you can do things sitting kneeling standing i love cables for the chest one arm cable chest press because you can adjust the angle and hit different angles of your chest um Mixing up the the bench height, so the decline is going to hit the lower part of your chest. The incline bench is going to hit the upper part of the chest. So if you're only doing flat, then think about what haven't you done lately? Have you not done the decline lately? Have you not done the incline lately? Mixing up the angles. And ultimately, um, whatever you're doing with your pressing at the moment, if you are doing pressing movements, think about um, what you haven't done for a while in terms of isolating the muscle that you want to use or whether you're wanting to go compound. So compound is where you're using two joints and you're going to get more bang for your buck doing compound. But if you're really wanting to bring up your chest, then that's when you bring in isolated flies, for example. If you're wanting to bring up your triceps and your triceps are lagging behind a bit, then you want to be isolating them a little bit as well. Yeah, for sure. Now, when I started out, training i did a lot of bench press as most young guys do you know get in and 
load up that bench press. Um, and one thing I'll say from a guy's point of view is, yeah, okay, it's a, it's a masculine movement. Um, it's a perceived masculine movement because it is generally what you think about the stereotype of, of gym training would be a bench press. You know, for, for a guy, you go in and do some bench press. If you didn't really know what you were doing, you'd go in and do some bench press. Um, be careful that you that you are not a creating post postural problems because for every pushing exercise we'll talk about this in, in the next point there should be almost like pretty much two pulling exercises to counter that and the way that our human bodies work and the demands our lifestyles have on us suggests that a lot of it is in front of our in front of our heads which therefore brings our shoulders forwards driving writing typing that kind of thing but anyway um just be careful that you you're not creating strength inconsistencies because Okay, if you're walking around with slight posterior problem, that's not really a problem. It's just a little bit of an issue until it becomes a problem. But I'll tell you what is embarrassing and what is a bit of a problem is when you do your back day and the weight that you're doing is significantly less than your pressing uh, weight because it shouldn't be. So, for example, I in the past have been guilty of this when I was a lot younger, um, but I could bench press more than I could deadlift. I mean, that's, that's crazy. That's crazy now. When I think about that, I think what a what an absolute naive move that is. What a schoolboy error. Um, but then it becomes a problem because you don't want to go to deadlift because you can't deadlift much. So you just stick to bench press and then you, you try to impress your mates and you're like, yeah, I can do this and do that. But it isn't worth it. And I used to have these role models that I would look at in the gym or role models that I would look at that were athletes. And I would think to myself and I'd research and think, that, that person there squats that weight or that person deadlifts that weight. And for me, it then changed. It wasn't about what you bench press. It was about what you could do as a human body in one movement, the squat, the deadlift. Um, and now I hardly ever do it. Um, when I do tra train chest, I'll always do a, a, flat, a flat bench and then I'd back it up with an incline. Um, and then I might use some cables. Now, for me, that suits my lifestyle. That suits my, my goals. Um... If I was doing bodybuilding competition cat or I did step into that realm, then I would probably do another two exercises in that program. Um, but for me, where I am with my sport, um, as long as I can maintain the strength I've got at, at that pushing movement, and as long as I entertain it, you know, once a week or twice a week maximum, um, I better invest my time and energy in the other areas of my training. Does that make sense? Yeah, so, so you guys listening, same things. Think about what the purpose of, you know, your pressing movement is. Are you wanting to put size on? Are you wanting to just get lean and, and be fairly strong? If you're not particularly wanting a bigger chest, then probably push-ups are going to be a good pressing exercise for you because you're going to burn more calories doing, doing push-ups if, if they're still challenging for you. You're going to incorporate more core because they're a closed-chain movement as opposed to just pushing a weight away from you when you're lying on your back. Um, so think about how it relates to you specifically for your lifestyle, for your sport. For example, if you're a netball player, it's probably best for you to like power through a medicine ball away from you rather than lying on your back doing a bench press if, if you know you don't need that kind of strength yeah. in your game. So what what's the purpose of your exercise and, and always asking yourself that question. And, yeah, like Tommy said, thinking about what you haven't done lately because this whole episode is about tweaking and um, doing things – you know, a little bit differently to maybe what you're used to. So think about what you haven't done for a while. Um, and the other thing with the shoulders is to be able to push a weight above you. The other 
the other thing when it comes to shoulders is can you lower your body weight onto your shoulders? Yeah. Because building up so that your legs are really elevated and you'll you'll still be able to do a push up, that's a, a great kind of progression for people as well. Sure. Yeah, I think that's definitely something very um, rewarding about lifting a weight above your head as well. And they were talking about a military press here, even if it's out of the rack, so it starts up high, so you haven't got to go through the whole clean movement to get it up to the chest. But just stepping out the rack with a, with a weight on the bar and then straight pressing it above your head, it's very primitive and it's very raw. And I think that there's a lot of um, emotional benefit that we can get from that movement, you know, intrinsically. And then also mm. musk, musk, um, through the muscular system and the skeletal system, having that, having that weight above the head strengthens all the little muscles in between. Um, sorry, all the, all the, the the ligaments and muscles in your back and in your in between your spine and your vertebrae, and also the shoulders as well. And it will really benefit your training. It will release more growth hormone because again, it's a big, powerful movement that's getting a lot of muscles to work. So if you're lifting a heavy weight above your head, you know, once a week or every other week, then you're going to be on to a winner too, as well as doing all the conventional um, dumbbell shoulder press, you know, seated shoulder press, uh, maybe even the shoulder press machine. And like Kat said earlier, the shoulder moves through so many different angles, vary the grips, vary the start positions of the dumbbells, vary the start position in the machines if you're using machines. Um, vary the width on the bar if you're doing an, uh, an overhead military press you can go narrow you can go slightly wider than 90 degrees but most of the time stick to 90 degrees as your progression um, angle if that makes sense um, do you mm. like, do you oh, like I that? Feel like pro- yeah, I feel like going and doing a military press. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm <laughs> gonna exciting. go. Uh, it reminds me of a of a story. Uh, you've probably heard of this before. There was, I think it, I don't know the context of it, but basically there was a farmer, and he had a um a calf, a baby cow. That's a calf, right? Yeah. 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 And he and the baby cow, and he got got into the field, lift it above his head, you know, a few times a day, lift lift it up above his head. As the cow got bigger, he would still continue to lift it up until eventually he could lift a fully grown cow above his head. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but I like to think about that when I'm going in training. Um, I'd rather lift a bar than a cow, to be honest. Um, but pro- <laughs> progressing, and actually, I've just been talking to a guy downstairs who who works at the gym. Um, works at my gym, and and uh, he's a real good guy. He's only a young guy, but he's really into his training. Um, he's done overhead military press three times this week um, because he's looking to develop strength in his shoulders and in particular being able to use that functionally holding that weight stood up so even through the calves for i'm talking about your muscles now not not baby cows um the quads <laughs> the hips the abs they're all working to stabilize you in that position um as well as the mm. shoulder benefit you get with the strength um from pushing that weight over your head so i think it, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm up for it i might go and do it do it in a minute i don't know about you but i'm pretty pretty mm. psyched for that right now <laughs> I know, I'm so psyched. It's quarter past ten at night here and I feel like we're in the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I will. Yeah, I love push. I love just pushing the weight away from me, like bench press and, and military press. It, it's just so satisfying, especially if you don't know if you're going to make it and then you, you yeah. do and it's like you push right through and it's like, yes, it's, it's awesome. Cool. So we Anyway, have one, we should move on to the front. Yes, one more, <laughs> one more pattern to, to discuss, one more movement pattern. Yeah, so the movement pattern is the um, the pull, and we're talking more uh, in this episode about a row row type movement. But a pull is anything where you're pulling uh, a weight towards you, or you're pulling your body towards 
you know, for example, doing a chin-up, you've got your, your arms fixed and you're pulling your body weight up. So that is going to be the king, is the chin-up. It's like the king of the upper body in terms of pulling movement. If you can't do a chin-up, then working up towards that can be one of the best ways to develop your lats, develop your back strength. And it's it's just such an, a brilliant exercise to do. It's going to help you get that taper. So if you want in your waist to appear a bit smaller, building your lats can give that give that nice look. And it's also very functional. Like Tommy said before, we do so much forward movement in our lives. So the more you can get you know, pulling movements incorporated into that and start working your back and evening it out, then, yeah, I agree. Usually it's about a two-to-one ratio, um, two on your on your pull movements and one on your on your push movement. Yeah. I mean, that straight away then should spark the thought process in your mind that your back workout, or rather your pulling workout, should be pretty epic. Definitely. I, I think it's, it's almost like a leg workout if you're doing it properly because you think about... You think about your body, how big your back is. It's a massive muscle. It goes you know, right from your traps all the way down to your lower back. So it's, it's a huge amount of muscle there. And it's interesting that, that a lot of people will do kind of the same or more chest when the chest is a smaller muscle. So we've, we've got to incorporate not just the lats, but, you know, rhomboids and mid and lower traps and erector spinae, you know, doing lower back work. And they're all really important for just spinal extension and, and good posture. Um, and I don't know about you, but when I see people with a massive chest but they, they don't have a good back, it just looks weird. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not... Um, I think as well, like, the perception of a guy, again, a, a young guy uh, like I was when I first started training, you actually look bigger if you work on your lats and shoulders. Like you fill mm. you fill your shirts out quicker if you work on those rather than your chest. Um, but your perception at the beginning is that your bench press is going to get you stronger and bigger. Yeah, it's similar with um, guys that just mainly work their biceps. But if you, if you want a good looking arm, you know your triceps have got three heads, your biceps have got two heads, and so working a lot of your triceps is going to give you just a good-looking arm, you know, and a T-shirt. Yeah. But obviously we're not just talking about looks. We're talking about function as well. So back is one of the most functional things you can do, making sure you've got lots of pulling movements in your program. Um, I generally recommend you do vertical as well as horizontal. So you're doing some kind of chin-up or pull-up and to build up to that, you know, things like using bands, using the assistant machine, uh, assisted chin-up machine, uh, they're like pull down, obviously, trying different grips, different angles, yeah. different bars, different mm. apparatus, using cables. And um, one thing I love is getting the rope on the cable machine and bending right over. So you're kind of like in a squat, um, but tipped completely over and just pulling straight down in like a rope pull down. And mm. it just works all the way down your lower traps. You know, when you get an achy feeling through your mid back and your lower traps are kicking in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You lower traps, and a lot of people are, are really weak. And I know when I left corporate, my corporate job, and I got a personal trainer at Lee Mills, and she was like, "Man, your lower traps are so weak." And she gave me these boring rehab exercises. Um, but your upper traps, where you feel up by your neck, a lot of people's are really, really tight. 
And stretching is great and you should be stretching, but the other way to release it is to incorporate lots of good lower track work. So things like bending over and doing um, cable work or getting on a 45 degree bench and doing dumbbell shoulder raises and things like that, they're going to really help even out your posture and take just some of the pressure off your upper traps if they're tight. Yes, absolutely. I like what you said about mixing the grips and the, and the apparatus that you use as well. I think it's so key. Again, look, like we talked about the lunges, there's so many different degrees of angles that we can put our joints through in order to get that muscle to pull our arms, um, pull that weight. So mix it up and, and vary that each time, even though, even though it's the same exercise. Um, just vary it somehow different attachments, different grip positions, it will get you your result quicker. That's essentially what will happen if you do that. Mm, yeah. And cables are one of my favourites. If you haven't done cables for a while or you haven't done them, definitely learn how to do them. Think about doing one arm. If you normally just work your back with two arms, one arm is brilliant. You can put your other hand on your back and just feel it and really fire it up by having your other hand on there. Yep. I'm doing it while I'm talking. <laughs> um, just really getting that mind-to-muscle uh, connection with, with your movement. Now I feel like doing some back. <laughs> it's funny talking about it. Yeah, that's good. And hopefully if you're listening to this, you're also getting fired up for your next workout. And um, we've shared with mm. you, you know, five different movement patterns, the squat, the lunge, the deadlift, the pushing or pressing and the pulling or rowing um, movement patterns. These should all be featured in your, well, at least in your weekly uh, routines. Uh, maybe even if you're doing you know, a whole body approach, you might even find two or three of these in one, you know, in, in one exercise program. Um, the, the main point here is that there are many things you can do to vary and improve and use these little tips that we're sharing with you to bust out of your plateaus perhaps, to pimp your training like we said before, and we did do a podcast on that. Check it out um, on, our, on our listed podcast episodes if you haven't heard that one. And um, yeah, we hope that it brings some extra results faster for you in your training. And if you are on our, on our five-week challenge, you can use the next couple of weeks to really blitz your training and you see what you can do, see what kind of physical change you can make. Um, is there anything you'd like to add, Kat, before we wrap up? That's pretty much it. Uh, you guys doing the challenge. Good luck. Hope it's yeah. really going well and, and keep um, sending us your your questions and your progress and we love hearing from you. So email us or jump on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash transformation code. We love to hear from you. Absolutely. Okay, thanks Kat. I've really enjoyed discussing exercise with you today on this podcast. Yeah, it's been awesome. It has, and I hope that your next session is on fire. I know mine will be, and uh, you guys listening, I hope the same for you too. And we'll speak to you again next week. See ya. Bye-bye.